Hey there, and welcome to episode 43 of IoT This Week. I'm your host, Craig Smith. This week we have the Apple HomePod having issues, sound quality issues after its latest update. Exploit Kit Research. Cloudflare releases a privacy-focused DNS solution. More data leaks, of course. Someone decided to fly a drone at over 30,000 feet in Russia. And the Voyager 1 spacecraft is talking to us from a long, long way away. So let's get started. All right, since we missed episode 42 of the podcast, we will go ahead and combine some of the newsletter topics from issue 42 with the topics from issue number 43 of the newsletter. So let's go ahead and start this thing off with the Internet of Things. So like I mentioned, HomePod. So apparently after Apple uh, put out an update for the HomePod, some users are saying that the sound quality has declined quite a bit. So the report I read, it looks like it's kind of mixed, to be honest. Um, Some people are reporting sound quality issues. Others are saying it's just fine. However, I think the sound quality is probably the least of the HomePod's issues, given how many problems Siri has. But actually, one of the stories I just read this week, um, I don't think I put anything in the show notes about it, but it looks like Apple is deciding that, hey, you know, we're going to focus on Siri some more, so they're hiring a whole bunch of people now. So, and it's a good thing because I think, um, as I mentioned in one of the past podcasts, um, Amazon's actually hiring a whole crapload of people to work on Alexa. So, so yeah, Apple better get moving on uh, fixing Siri, to be honest. And then we have U.S. senators who are asking Ford, GM, Fiat, Chrysler, and other car manufacturers, actually other self-driving car manufacturers, if they plan to use contracts with consumers to limit the ability to sue. So, you know, normally the way this works is when you use some kind of service, um, by using service, you're actually agreeing to a whole bunch of terms of terms of use. And usually one of those things, one of those terms is that you can't actually sue the person who you are purchasing, purchasing the service from, um, and your only re- really your only um, real avenue of recourse is through arbitration. Um, the phone companies are bad about doing this, especially like AT and T. You know, um, if you have some kind of dispute over your service, you can't really sue them. Um, you have to go through an arbitrator, which most times um, the arbitrator usually rules with the company. So, um, if that's what the car manufacturers plan to do when it comes to self-driving cars so like if you use a self-driving car you happen to get in a wreck with one and get hurt um depending on what their terms of terms of use are or terms of service are since you're using that service um you may not actually be able to sue them and that's what the u.s US centers are trying to find out and then we have a couple of stories from amazon of course um, as we always do so one of the more interesting ones was that an Amazon executive, and the link's in the newsletter, obviously, so you can actually read the whole article. But basically, this uh, Amazon executive was explaining executive was explaining how IoT is changing the internet, and we're going from a um, the old way of the internet, single point to multiple points outward on the edge. So 
essentially you've got a web server and then you're sending your you know content from your web server out to multiple points endpoints on the internet so now with iot you've got multiple endpoints out on the edge and they're actually sending data back inwards towards like a you know a web server or some kind of application server on the back end so essentially um like the executive says uh, the internet's is basically reversing how the internet it works internet works when it comes to iot so yeah pr pretty interesting uh, uh, viewpoint on iot and then the other thing other story we have from amazon and i actually i thought this was pretty cool actually for some reason it hadn't hadn't occurred to me but and it's not Amazon that's actually making these, but apparently there's some Alexa-enabled lamps coming. And I don't know if the picture they had in the article was like a prototype or that's how they will actually look. But it actually sort of looked like the large Amazon Alexa as it does now, except that it had LED lights on top of it to you know, basically turn it into a lamp. So it's actually a pretty cool idea. I can't kind of can't wait till uh, those come out. And then we have the report of the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, they will be holding public hearings on potential safety issues when it comes to IoT devices. So that should be interesting to see what kind of feedback they get um, from this public hearing. So I'm assuming it's, uh, since it's public, it should be anybody, companies, um, individuals, um, or whatever. So like I said, that should be interesting to see what kind of um, input they get as part of this hearing. And it looks like NVIDIA will be partnering, partnering with ARM, the chip maker, to make IoT devices. And the gist of this partnership is that it will give IoT chip makers a way to click quickly integrate AI into their products. So that'll actually be pretty cool. Um, one of the things we mentioned in the past on one of the past podcasts was, and I believe it was Amazon, they were talking about adding AI chips into the plethora of IoT devices they already have. So, um, yeah, this should be cool. Um, you know, NVIDIA is a big GPU graphics card maker, and ARM makes CPUs, so should be a pretty good uh, partnership, I would say. And then we have Ontario, Canada retirement homes are looking to add sensor bracelets to its Wi-Fi networks. So what they're essentially doing is adding these or having the residents in the retirement home wear these sensor bracelets so that they can track the residents and make sure they don't wander off. So actually, as silly as that might sound to some people, that is actually a pretty good use for uh, IoT devices. And then we have Gartner with one of their projections, and they are projecting that worldwide spending on IoT security will reach $1.5 billion in 2018, and that's IoT security, so it's not like IoT sales or anything like that, it's strictly IoT security, so it will reach $1.5 billion in 2018 and reach $3.1 billion by 2021. And then finally, under IoT, um, a couple quick things. So there was a security review um, done by, and I forget who at this point, but um, like I said, the uh, link would be, actually this link would be in issue 42 of the newsletter. They did a review, um, security review of IoT mobile applications, and hey, guess what? Um, they found lots of security issues. So yeah, not a big surprise there. And then if you hadn't heard this one, the Hajime botnet is 
currently conducting a massive scan for micro tick routers, and I can only assume that obviously it's looking to um, compromise these routers and you know do whatever botnets do. So I don't know if that's still going on. That was um, from last week's newsletter, so that was a couple of weeks ago. So whether that's still going on or not, but if you have a micro tick router, um, I would definitely make sure it's completely updated and protected. All right, so let's move on to InfoSec. So if you haven't heard or, or you've been living under a rock, um, the whole Facebook data debacle, um, that's obviously still going on. Um, whether there'll actually be some kind of closing resolution to it or if it'll, most likely it'll just fade away from the public view and nothing will really come of it. But if you have a Facebook account and you've had one for a long time, there's a link in issue 42 of the newsletter that'll essentially tell you how to pull down all the data Facebook has on you. And more than likely, if you've been using Facebook for a while, it'll probably be pretty scary. And then, of course, we have Atlanta, which was hit by the ransomware attack using SamSam. Um, you know, massive impact on the city of Atlanta um, via ransomware. And it looks like, um, according to the article, um, that the city's network um, was also infected last year um, via leaked some of those leaked NSA exploits. So yeah, I guess it's been a it's been a rough couple of weeks for the city of Atlanta. And then just to mention something um, in issue forty three of this of the um, newsletter, you know you've got Atlanta being hit by a ransomware attack, and then at the same time you've got the Georgia Senate passing a bill which says that any unauthorized computer access will be a misdemeanor. So the original wording in the bill um, was put forth in such a way that would it would basically it specified that unauthorized computer access with malicious intent would be a misdemeanor. But I guess that made too much sense to somebody, so they actually took that part out and they just left it vague. So now if you happen to be a security researcher or you just happen to be somebody who stumbles upon a uh, vulnerability in an application and I guess if the company is out of Georgia um, and you let the company know hey I found some vulnerability um, I guess they can try and charge you with a crime a misdemeanor I mean not that they could all they've always been able to um, try and sue people who do that I mean they've done that quite a bit in the past trying to suppress um, public disclosure of vulnerabilities and so forth but at this point Looks like in Georgia, um, if you try to do any kind of, even if you're a security researcher, um, now there's even greater chance that not only could you possibly be sued by the company who you might be working working on to find vulnerabilities, but um, if they go to the police, then you might actually be charged with a misdemeanor. So, um, yeah, kind of silly that Atlanta's, at the same time Atlanta's going through this massive ransomware attack, they're also making sure that it's, you know, it's hard for actually, you know, well-meaning security folks to actually do their job. So, yeah, well done, Georgia. And then, as I mentioned in the IoT section, you know, Apple's having issues with HomePod updates and them potentially affecting the sound quality. Um, in issue 42 of the newsletter, we have a couple of articles in there, and it, I guess it hasn't been a lot, hasn't been a good couple of last couple of weeks for Apple. Um, last week they had passwords for Apple's new um, APFS encrypted volumes, the passwords actually being exposed in the unified logs of High Sierra. 
So that's not good. And then I think I just saw another article this week where there's actually somewhere else that somebody discovered another set of logs somewhere that passwords being exposed in clear text. So yeah, not good for uh, Apple's new um, Apple file system. And then they also have it, Apple also had an issue with iOS, the camera app, where it was potentially, uh, you could potentially send, or somebody could send you to malicious sites if you scanned a malicious QR code. So so yeah, like I said, not a not a good couple of last weeks for Apple. All right, so exploit kits. So this is something we don't really talk much about on the podcast. Um, and the and the article I read, they I guess they used to do um, various reviews of exploit kits out there, um, but apparently they said it had kind of slowed down in the last year or whatever. So there really wasn't much to talk about talk about. Um, but now it looks like there's like at least four exploit kits that are kind of you know making a comeback or or getting more popular for whatever reason. Um, but anyway, they did a, a review on the Rig V EK exploit kit, the Grandsoft EK exploit kit, the Green Flash Sundown, and Magnitude EK exploit kits. So if you happen to have any interest in exploit kits, definitely worth a read. And then the U.S. State Department apparently wants all U.S. visa applicants to hand over their social media handles from the past five years. So, yeah, whether that um, actually does them any good. I mean, if you're, I guess if you're a blatant militant or something like that, and you're basically saying death to the U.S. or whatever like that in your social media and make it obvious, um, yeah, I guess there's some use in, you know, going back and look at people's social media. But, I mean... For the most part, I think most most people's social media is pretty pretty mundane and pretty boring, to be honest. So, you know, why they'd want to spend all that time looking at that, um, whether it actually bears any fruit, um, it's probably just another point of information overload for the government. And, you know, they probably already have more data than they know what to do with now as far as trying to weed out um, the bad people. But um, anyway, that's what the U.S. State Department's looking for is um, – Visa applicants, social media handles from the past few year, past five years. So, yeah, I guess good luck with that. And then um, you probably noticed this um, last week or the week before, TLS 1.3 has been officially released. So that's awesome. Um, and talking about the release of new things, um, on April Fool's Day, uh, which I thought was kind of humorous, Cloudflare released their privacy-first consumer DNS service. Um, obviously Cloudflare is a big company, you know, they usually, they, or they've been in the news quite a bit, um, because basically because of their, um, services they offer and protecting websites and so forth. Um, other times they've been on the wrong end of DMC takedowns and been getting sued by, um, various copyright holders because they supposedly weren't doing enough to protect copyright and all that sort of thing. But either way, I think Cloudflare is a, I mean, I use them um, on things and they're a pretty decent company. But like I said, they released a DNS service. And the only real downside I can see to this is that if you're already using a, like a DNS security service, say like OpenDNS Umbrella, which basically filters DNS requests. So if you try to go to a website and it happened to be, and it happens to be calling some other URL inside that website, like an ad or something like that, that's, that's actually going to a malicious site, um, they use their intelligence on their side to basically say, hey, you know, you're trying to 
um, resolve a malicious um, website and they'll they'll step in and stop stop it from or stop you to stop the traffic um, stop you from going and browsing to this particular website so in that instance you don't have to hopefully you don't have to worry about getting infected by malicious sites um, so if you're using a site like that that's uh, doing DNS security filtering um, unfortunately the at least at this point the Cloudflare service doesn't offer that so if you want to use Cloudflare, then you kind of have to give up your um, DNS filtering service. So I was thinking about using Cloudflare, but um, I, unfortunately I don't want to give up my um, DNS security service. So um, until Cloudflare actually adds that, um, hopefully they will. Um, yeah, I'll just stick with my uh, OpenDNS umbrella solution. And then you probably saw this one if you're a fan of Panera Bread. Um, PaneraBread.com apparently leaked millions of customer records and those records included phone numbers, email address, physical address, and their loyalty account number. Um, and sad to say this information, I guess for a while, um, because the security researcher who brought it to their attention, um, they actually decided not to pay any attention to him. Um, so it's been this particular vulnerability has been out there for a while and all you needed to have was the link to where this data was. So anybody who had this link could actually go and pull up that data, I, I'm guessing in their browser, and it would just you know spew all this information out about um, Panera's customers. So the thing that the uh, thing with the security researcher and why it sat out there, this particular vulnerability sat out there for sat out there for so long was because Panera apparently thought this security researcher was just a scammer and they hate ignored him. So my thinking with that is, even if you think the person's a scammer, at least look at what they've got and, you know, at least have a look and see because, you know, maybe it's real. So, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't instill a lot of confidence in me and uh, confidence in me for uh, Panera and their information security habits. And then finally, under information security, um, as we mentioned earlier, Georgia's passing a bill um, in regards to unauthorized computer access. So New York is actually pushing legislation, not the same kind of legislation, they're pushing legislation, legislation which would add cybersecurity regulations on business. So instead of kind of leaving, it, leaving um, protection of sensitive data up to the individual businesses, you know, kind of just making it, leaving it as like a moral responsibility for the businesses to do it, um, they're actually going to, um, put legal um, responsibility in places for businesses. So if the business doesn't protect the sensitive data like they're supposed to, then they're going to get in trouble. And the, the interesting thing about this particular article, um, they were actually referring to a, um, as part of the article, they actually referred to a car wash company. And the car wash company was talking about how they actually had um, external pen testers. Um, they had like a whole bunch of other people doing testing on their um, car wash network. And they actually, when people bought tokens for the car wash, um, they actually didn't send, when a person paid for it, They if they paid for it with a credit card, they actually didn't send whole credit card numbers. They sent tokens instead. So it was pretty interesting to see that a car wash company was actually doing quite a bit better than um, many other um, businesses out there are doing at the moment. So, yeah, pretty interesting. Okay, so let's move on to the technology section. So a couple things on Uber. So the first article was from Issue 42, the newsletter, 
um, where according to, and I haven't seen anything else on this, so according to the parts maker Aptive, and they provide the collision avoidance technology, uh, or they they provided it in the car that um, Uber was using, and the car that Uber was using um, was a Volvo. So according to the parts maker, Uber actually disabled the collision avoidance technology for some reason, and this was the same car that killed the woman in Arizona. So if that's what they did, then um, yeah, that's pretty bad. And I would have to think that the parts maker is stepping up and going, hey, it wasn't us, because they were probably afraid of getting in trouble as well. So yeah, kind of Aptiv, I guess, is looking out for its own interest in kind of throwing Uber under the bus. And then the other thing from Uber, um, in the case of the woman who got killed by the self-driving car, um, and, you know, this didn't take long. Um, Uber settled with the family of the woman. And my guess is, since it happened so fast, um, it probably had lots of zeros in that check. So, um, yeah, Uber probably paid through the nose for um, this particular mistake. Um, and then, I, as I mentioned earlier, um, Cloudflare has this DNS service, um, new service offering. And it looks like someone did a comparison of various DNS revolvers. So like I said, I mentioned Cloudflare. I also mentioned OpenDNS, um, which I use and lots of other people use. Um, then there's obviously the Google um, public DNS servers. And then there's also also the one from IBM and I think a multiple multitude of other companies called Quad9. So have a look at the report. They did a comparison on the speed and so forth. I guess the advantages of each one of those, and some of, and actually some other um, DNS resolving services. Um, I know at least Cloudflare and their their um, their marketing paraphernalia. They were saying they're they were the fastest, and I think some of the people who have been testing Cloudflare, it is it is indeed pretty pretty fast compared to like Google and OpenDNS. However. Um, <coughs> OpenDNS, um, and I think also Quad9, well, actually Google's doing some of it too, where they actually, if they, if they, you know, they sense that you're going to a malicious site, they'll actually, you know, not return the DNS request so you can actually go to it. So I imagine if Cloudflare, since Cloudflare, I don't think it's doing any of that right now, um, that would probably explain some of the reason why they're probably quicker than some of the other ones because other obviously it takes there is some delay um, if there's um, research going on on the back end like for OpenDNS whether you're actually visiting a malicious site or not so it knows whether to deny that traffic or not so any, either way it's an interesting um, comparison of the various DNS res resolvers out there and then Apple um, Apple's likely to replace Intel chips that are currently in their Macs um, with its own own uh, branded um, CPU um, as early as 2020. So that'll be pretty interesting to uh, see how that works out. My guess is um, since there'll be chips only for Apple hardware, um, they would probably be able to optimize them a bit more. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're you know quite a bit faster than Intel's chips. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then I mentioned, as I mentioned um, at the beginning of the show, there was someone who in Russia who decided to fly just like a regular, you know, consumer drone up to over thirty-three thousand feet. And honestly, I'm still not convinced this video is real, um, but it, it actually sure looks pretty real. Um, he's got the telemetry on the recording and everything. Um, yeah, I just didn't think an actual drone, especially because the air is so thin. 
that the drone would actually be able to make it up that high and get enough lift. But either way, um, pretty interesting video. Um, assuming it is real, you can actually, when they get up to, obviously they get up to 33,000 feet, you can actually kind of see the curvature of the Earth. They're up so high. So um, obviously that's that's in Russia. I mean, if you tried to do that here, um, yeah, you'd, and they caught you, yeah, you'd probably be big time trouble because in the U.S. you're only allowed to fly drones up to 400 feet and not within five miles of airports and all that sort of thing. So um, either way, yeah, um, pretty pretty cool video, drone video. And let's see what else we got. Um, um, from last week, um, iPad or Apple is releasing a 6-gen six, six iPad. And there's a link in the issue 42 of the newsletter which compares the new iPad. And actually, I think what I read was that it's actually Apple's cheapest iPad so far. Um, but anyway, somebody there was a comparison done on this new iPad against the 10.5-inch iPad Pro. Um, so if you're looking to um, get a new iPad, you might you know, want to look at this comparison. Personally, um, I'm waiting for Apple to bring out the face id ipad uh, which i guess would essentially kind of like a just a blown up iphone iphone 10 so yeah i'm waiting for that to come out and then also um apple is now selling the space gray keyboard and mouse uh, which is they're really cool looking um because um if you were looking to get one of these you actually had to go on ebay and it was and people were selling them selling these things for crazy amounts of money because the originally the Space Gray keyboard and mouse only came with the iMac Pro, but now um, Apple is selling those items individually. So, yeah, pretty cool if you're looking for a Space Gray keyboard. They're not cheap, um, but either way, still pretty cool. And Voyager 1, um, it's way, way out there, 13 billion miles from Earth right now. And it fired up its thrusters after 33 years in the vacuum of space um, not being used. So it looks like, I think the primary, what I read in the article, the primary thrusters, I don't know if they ran out of fuel, they weren't working. Um, but in order to kind of um, elongate the life of Voyager 1 a couple years, um, now they're using some backup thrusters. And like I said, they hadn't fired these things up in 33, 37 years Um you know, they sent the message, and it took hours. I, f I forget how long it takes now for the round trip, the speed of light to get out 13 billion miles. I think it's a long time. Um, but, yeah, they, they sent the commands out there, all the way out there to fire up the thrusters, and then they fired up um, just like they were brand new. So, yeah, way to go. Way to go, NASA. All right, guys, that is the podcast for this week. And if you are a subscriber to the IoT This Week newsletter, you'll notice in issue 43 that I've updated the format of the letter um, newsletter quite a bit. Um, so hopefully you guys will like the new layout. Um, I think it makes it easy, easier to read and kind of separates things out pretty nicely. Um, anyway, like I said, that's the podcast for this week. Um, I can be reached, reached on the Twitters at CraigZ28. Or if you want to email me, podcast at iotthisweek.com. But other than that, um, that's it for this week, guys. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you later.